1: Greetings and thank you for joining me here on the Do Business Better podcast. Got a great show for you today. I got my friend Jason Hewlett. Jason Hewlett is going to wow you, he's going to amaze you with his brilliance and his background and his story. Jason Hewlett and I met years ago at a conference, and he and I have something in common. We both have a showbiz sort of background, me being a former political comedian. Him being a musician entertainer uh, with uh, the cut, cut his teeth in Las Vegas, of all things. So Jason Hewlett's here. He is a speaker. He writes a blog. He's got a book coming out called The Promise to the One. He's an awesome dude. That you're going to learn a lot from because what he understands is all of us in business have a promise to our audience. We have a, a, a client we serve. And the great thing is he takes his job so seriously because he came up doing this showbiz thing that he thinks a lot of us sometimes in business forget our promise to the audience. So Jason Hewlett, thanks for being here, buddy. What a great intro. I love it, Damien. Thanks for having me, man. Well, you know, you deserve it because I don't think I don't think very highly of most people. Uh, I'm pretty much a miss. am pretty much a, a, a mis- <laughs> uh, but I like you, and uh, as my wife <laughs> says, that means you're like one of a one of 14 people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. What did I miss? He's a, he's a 41 year old guy. He lives in Salt Lake City, Utah. He's got four children, a lovely wife. He bumps the road like I do, but what I think is fascinating is that he always looks at business, whether it's show business or not. You know, a lot of people get this wrong, Jason. I always tell people my niece was going to be an actress. I said, here's my piece of advice for you, hon. There's four letters in the word show. There's eight letters in the word business. Do you understand what I'm saying? She says, no. I go, put twice the effort into the business as you do into the show. The show is a given. You better have that. Then put double the effort into making any business and you'll be successful. You agree?
0: I love that quote. I've used it many times. I don't know where we've all heard it, but yes, I I totally agree. And you know, I spent so much time at the beginning working on my act that by the time business came around, I didn't have to really think about the act that much other than small little tweaks. You know, a lot of these acts put together their their hit songs and then they go on the road and have to figure out the business. <laughs> And they never come up with the next hit songs because they're so busy playing the current ones. And so, yeah, when you start in your business, it truly is a double effort from the creation of the act. Because the act is what gets you in the door. The Malcolm Gladwell outliers 10,000 hour thing. Okay, that gets you on that stage. But now it's business time. You've got to go double down and, and go for it with connections, relationships making sure that you're the type of business person that they'll bring back and that's what it's all about.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting thing that you and I both get because coming up in more of a show type of a a product, I always say that first off, I, I, I still do this today and it's been 25 years. I say, Hey Lori. Uh, does Damien Mason do this? And I don't mean, I'm not arrogant. I'm not talking about Damien Mason, like, because I'm just self-absorbed. I'm talking about the Damien Mason is a product. Damien Mason is a product that who writes books. Damien Mason is a product on a stage. Damien Mason is a personality uh, in front of an audience and a creator of content. And so uh, years ago, I read the article that about Walt Disney <clears throat> He said, you know, Walt Disney doesn't, drink, smoke, and swear, but Walt Disney drinks, smokes, and swears. <laughs> he, he saw there was the guy that comes out in front of the uh, enchanted castle or whatever the heck it is there and introduces the Walt Disney program. And then there's the real man, you know, you and I have had to look at ourselves as a product. And I said, that's the great thing that every business person could critically and honestly look at their product themselves as the product, their, their business, the way you and I have had to. You and I have had to look at ourselves as a product. Do you think that's a strength?
0: Oh, yeah. No, that's a wonderful way of putting it. I hadn't thought of it that way. But, you know, I talk about the signature moves that make us who we are and why the client would bring us back. It's the signature move is our personal brand. It's also our business brand. And that becomes our promise. You know, our promise is what they realize we're delivering every single time. And how we exceed those expectations or not is where the promise comes in. And so how you start to craft your personal brand, looking at it in third person is essential. Because if you just look at it from, you know, from your own eyes in your own way, you're never going to grow. But when you start seeing it through the audience's eyes, you say, well, how congruent do I have to be on stage and off stage, meaning not just in front of the people, but when I'm walking around talking afterwards and making connections and influencing their life. And Damien, my MO has been, if I'm going to be talking about a, you know, making promises, which is a very big, strong, heavy word, I'd better be a pretty good guy off stage who's doing my best to live this message where the congruence on and off stage equals the promise for myself and becomes my signature move and personal brand.
1: All right, so you started out, you were a young man, you went to Las Vegas, you can sing, you're, you've are got tremendous uh, poise, you certainly uh, You can deliver. Tell me about starting out. What was the first gig? What was it like?
0: Well, first gigs were... Doing everything I could for free for anyone that would watch, you know, from the Boy Scout events to the, the beauty pageants in the backcountry and the, any, anywhere that anyone would gather. So churches and rotary and people with no money that, w- you know, or wouldn't pay me at least because it wasn't yet good. And as we realized it started to get pretty good, then the Las Vegas opportunities came along and I had my first official kind of paid job with the Las Vegas Legends in Concert which is a, a the mecca for singing impersonators. So if you're an Elvis impersonator you want to work for Legends in Concert but you have to look, sound, dance, dress everything like Elvis. And I couldn't do that as well as Elvis, so they cast me as a character called Ricky Martin, the Las Vegas or the Legends in Concert Live La Vida Loca guy. <laughs> And so he was very popular at the time and when his career started to fizzle a little bit equally did mine so i put on the glasses and i put on a big hat and a feather coat and i became elton john learned how to play all of his songs on the piano which wasn't necessary because you can just fake it but i wanted it to be authentic and i worked very hard became known as the top Ricky Martin impersonator, and one of the best Elton John impersonators, and there are many throughout the world for a little while. That's how my career started, and it was really cool to learn how to impersonate somebody else to the point that you realize that, yes, I can do a voice of somebody. I can do their, their mimicry and everything like that, but what is mine, you know, and it started to make me really question that, and so as my career kind of expanded, that's where I've ended up here now is being able to teach people to identify, clarify, and magnify what their signature moves are, because I spent that first part of my career really honing the ability to mimic others and to help, you know, the audience believe that I was somebody else. And And it started to make me say, well, what is it that I bring to the table as Jason Hewlett? Here's our third person talk now, right? Mm -hmm. and and it changed everything for me so that's kind of the start of my career man pretty cool
1: yeah so I always analyzed my offering and it takes a certain amount of strength or fortitude if you will that a lot of folks wouldn't understand you know the person that's listening to this podcast is like I own three dry cleaners or I uh I'm I've got a plumbing company and you know we we were doing something that people didn't think was a business, you know, cause the average person, if you walk into a room, what do you do? I'm a plumber. What do you do? I'm a doctor. Oh, okay. What do you do? Well, I'm a showbiz person. I, Oh really? Give me some. I'm a Ricky Martin person here. Oh, give me some. It's like, well, no, you didn't just ask this guy to fix your pipes. Why the hell are you asking me to do what I do for a living right now? So there's a lack of respect that the, that the show business sometimes gets or a lack of seriousness or credence or credibility, you know, that sometimes gets legitimacy that it sometimes does not receive. And the thing is, person like you or me that said, no, this is my business. This is what I do. This is my product offering. The tough part is, as you said, then you've got to look at yourself and say, I'm a product offering, but I'm also playing somebody. I'm acting like Ricky Martin. I'm La Vida Loca guy. I'm putting on a feather boa and I'm Welton John. When you critically analyze your offering and look at it with legitimacy, that's of course what makes it a business. What do you look at other businesses, Jason, and say, okay, I always looked at myself and said, I am critically looking at my product. and I know what I am. I'm a guy that puts on a feather boa and acts like Welton John. What do you think other Companies, the people we know that are business people do wrong and they don't look at themselves that way. What are they doing wrong? Why are they not able to do that?
0: Well, that's very interesting. I mean, <clears throat> there's nothing wrong in being the impersonator, especially for anybody that's, you know, doing that as their living. But there's something really fascinating in the sense of becoming somebody else and saying, hey, how can I make this better, tweak this more, you know, whether it's putting on the outfit better or or saying the words right, when it comes to an actual, you know, business brick and mortar type place, it's interesting to look at the performance of a legend. Because every legend puts on their, you know, their brand. They, they always sing their hits. They always do things the way that we expect. And even someone like Madonna or Lady Gaga, who are known for changing it up every couple of years through their A Day. I mean, that became their signature move. What are they going to do next? And so when you start to look at your business and whether you're in, you know, dry cleaning or the plumber and you you think to yourself, okay, why is it that they would think of me over somebody else? Is it simply convenience and that we're close to their, you know, their their home? Or is it because I'm that person that every time they interact with me, they feel better when they leave? Or we deliver a better product and, and in what way? It's all in self self-analysis. It's in this identification process and then clarifying that with others so you can magnify it and keep that promise. But when we don't do it, we are unfortunately leaving so much on the table by way of that which only we can deliver to the people that we serve. And what a great blessing when somebody in business figures that out. When they figure it out, they become legendary. You refer them every time. You can't not go to them and do business with them. They're the only stop. And that's what my business became as a one-man show performer when I left the Legends in Concert. As silly as I was, I was doing a one-man show of comedy and music, You know, becoming Ricky Martin for one minute, and then ripping that outfit off, putting on the Elton John outfit, and then ripping that off and becoming Jim Carrey, and then ripping that off and becoming Alvin in the Chipmunks. And as funny as it was, I took it very seriously to do it so well that they said, we have to have him back, or I want to tell everyone about him. And everyone around me became my agent, essentially, my booker, my referral. And, and when we do business well and do it right, that is a natural output of keeping our promise.
1: Yeah so you and I both you you gave me a nice compliment you listened to my episode about um word of mouth and my statement is very simple that there's no such thing as a word of mouth advertising even though we hear it all the time it's a word of a hard earned reputation from doing the right thing over a course of years and satisfying a client you know uh It's interesting because a lot of people would look at what you and I, you know, I came up being a comedy guy and you came up doing a show business. That again, a lot of folks wouldn't be think that that's a business, but again, that was your product, that's what you did, it's how you supported your family. And you have to be very critical about uh, the analysis of what can I do, how can I make this better. And like you said, all of your audience then you hope became your agent. I used to say. When I was starting out, I said, I want to be so good that I at least get another gig. Getting the gig was the hard part. You know, that's what your product, that's your, that's your selling, it's your marketing. And I said, I need to get one gig from every gig that I do. And um, I think if more folks that, you know, we the plumber, the dry clear, whatever, looked at it as for every customer I get, I need to get one more. Uh, because of them that's that's what I always thought my job was. My job was to be so good that when I walked off stage one more gig came from that gig. Is that kind of how you did it?
0: Damien that is so well put and you know for those in, that are listening or thinking to themselves, well but you know are you only thinking of the next client And the answer is both no and yes because you're doing so well with the current one you're so present and so great that they can't not help but either refer you or something come from that experience for the next opportunity. And so, yes, you have to think that way. If you do not, you are cheating, not only the client you're serving now, but the clients you could be serving in the future. So what does that look like for, you know, anyone listening to this right now? I mean, coming from a showbiz background, you're surviving off of each performance. It's all dependent on now, the present. Yes. So a lot, of pe- a lot of people are like, hey, I don't know what my signature move is. I don't have I'm, – I'm just a plumber, let's say. And I go, hey, wait a minute, man. Just a plumber? Are you kidding me? You can do something I could never do. Like I can't even figure that out. <laughs> I am a, I'm applauding you from, from your stage, and I'm in your audience. So I say to these people that say I don't have a signature move, I say, well, try this just be 100% present with your current moment and client. Yeah. If you can be 100% present, you're going to serve them better. You're going you're gonna to love on them in a way that they'll be like, I, I, love, this, I love this plumber. We, we have to refer this plumber to everybody. And the next thing they know, they have a business that thrives because of their present willingness to keep that promise every single uh, delivery. I love what you said, Damien. I mean, that's so great.
1: Well, like you, like you also pointed out there, Jason, it's not that you're only thinking about you know the old thing in football or whatever. Uh, you, you looked ahead on your schedule and then you forgot about today's game. No, no, no. I'm so I'm I'm so dialed into this one that I'm already thinking that this one is going to create my next one, and that's how I always looked at it. All right. So you turned a show into business, and you obviously are a smart guy. You look at business stuff. You're a customer just like me. What do you think? What do you look at businesses that get stuff wrong? I'll give you an example. One thing that I think businesses get wrong, they make it hard for me to be a customer. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to call, um, I had to call American Airlines the other day. And they make it hard to be a platinum executive, even though I am with them because they make it, they made me spend five minutes punching this and, and yes for English and number three for customer service and all that. What do you think companies do that make it, they do it wrong? I just think the first one is they make it hard to be a customer. What do you think? Well,
0: of course, I think that's exactly right with the automation, you know, or automation of everything that's happening these days um, <clears throat> to try to get to a a real living, breathing person is a big deal. Is that just going to continue? Heck yeah. So uh, I think some of the other things that they do incredibly poorly, unfortunately, is they don't help define the actual role of the person that someone is dealing with. So it almost seems like you're being handed off to somebody who has no idea what they're doing or that person at the bank uh, doesn't have very many answers. Not that we need every answer from one person, but hey, if they're going to represent the branch that you're walking into, they better know their stuff. Um, I think the same problem happens within the, the realm of being able to even pay for something. I think that's why, like if Damien, I'm going to buy your book, you know, I'm, I'm excited to buy your book. Can I hear your podcast. Oh, I got to go buy your book. And by the way, I love your book. <laughs> Thank like, you it, so I love your book. I know you know that cause I told you that and I reviewed it and everything, but I'm just telling you if, if you say, Hey Jason, go buy my book. If I, if I say, Oh, okay, I'll go to, you know, your website. And I click in your website. I take the time to, to type in your name perfectly and .com, sure. and, and then I go there and I'm like, Oh crap. Now I have to create a username, a password, a this and a that, and it's so hard for me to pay you for this book. Yeah. I'd rather just click on Amazon, one-click buy, and that's there in my, in my hands. Yeah. That makes me very happy as a, as a customer. So how can we make it easier for our product to be delivered? And if it is like, hey, I would rather they buy it from me personally than through Amazon, well, we have to make that experience just as simple then uh, if there is any way possible to do that.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, I, I think that's, this goes back even, bef- you know, years ago before there was a, uh, Amazon or any of that, there was this thing that you said, uh, I, I want to make it so it's easy for me to give you money for your product or service. I don't want it to be where I have to jump through hoops to give you money for your product or service. Uh, old, old friend of mine, he's an older guy. He's probably lost some patience cause he's an older guy. We went to, uh, we went to Cracker Barrel and and I said, I'll go get the truck, and uh, you can handle. He said, I'll pay. And five minutes later, he came storming out of there. He said, They made it so I got to go through a general store, and I got to wait in line. And then this girl said, I don't, I'm not set up to take cash; I can only take credit. He said, He just was angry. I said, Why would they make it so challenging for you to give them money? That's what I, I remember coming away from that experience.
0: <laughs> That's funny, and it's it's depressing at the same time as you go up to the cash register and they're like. You can't pay until you enter your phone number, or your email address and your social security number and you're like, I'm trying to buy a Coke. Please just let me get out of here. But I mean, I found that same process was happening in my own business because you know, I would require a fifty percent non refundable deposit up front and then I would require the remainder ten days prior or I wouldn't show up at the gig. And I found out that a lot of clients didn't have checks to cut anymore. Oh. there were clients that wanted to do wire transfers, wanted to do a credit card. you know the credit card fees at three or four percent you 're freaking out going man i 'm going to lose a whole big chunk on it you know because when your fee is five figures, six figures, whatever it is for the either the gig or the consultation you 're going man that 's a big chunk, but make it easy on that client if that 's what they want, and they need you know sky miles points on their American Express for that credit card charge. then give them what they want and they will come back because they'll say so easy to do business with them. My, my contract used to be five pages. I cut it down to a page, just shoved everything in there and cut out what needed to be. I took it through an editor, like a writing editor. And then a, an attorney,
1: you know, you you basically have all this
0: crap in there.
1: Jason, you have just described two of my exact experiences I years ago when my business started to take off, uh, they, I had a client that said, send me a contract. Well, you know, starting out you're doing stuff in somebody's basement or whatever, you know, you're like, I don't know, you know. So a contract. I went to an attorney and she drew up an 11 and a half page contract. And I paid her <laughs> a lot of money. 11 and a half page. And I sent it to this client that asked me for a contract. It took a month and then they sent it back and they said, yeah, we sent it to our legal department and now it's all marked up and changed. And then I had one client who said, I can't do this. I said, what the heck? I have a one page contract now, because again, I didn't want it to be that this became this burden for you to do business with Amy Mason. And then the same thing, you talked about how we take payment. We're to the point now if you want to give us your money, we will do it any way other than Bitcoin because I don't think that's even real. <laughs> 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 I, I, I don't take Bitcoin just the same reason I don't take Atari gaming cartridges from the nineteen eighty one. But <laughs> other than that, we'll make it easy on you to do business with us. Um, what do you, uh, what what do, you, what do you think you got right? You know, in running your business, what do you think you've done right? I will tell you from the outside perspective what you've done right. You've worked your tail off, and you've Always been pushing out uh, a, a new and, a, and a, a better product. Like I think you look at it and say, "I'm going to even make it better." I think that that's what you get right. What do you think you've gotten right?
0: That's very nice. I I agree that I've been pushing very hard for a long time. Make it great. I've found that even if I'm doing it right and sending things out that are uh, that are great products, an even more important practice, it seems to me, seems to be the the idea of follow-up and my follow-up has been through the years, almost something of legend that my clients actually talk about among each other when they meet and they, they ask, Hey, did you get this from Jason after the performance or did you, you know, did you then do this or that with Jason following? Because I nurture that relationship as if it's the last opportunity I'll ever have in my life. And I've done that well, as far as from what I understand through a client's eyes, that has uh, led to so many opportunities, not just with the same clients, but with them referring me, uh, you know, laterally as much as possible.
1: Yeah. So your follow up and then also your your product. So when you talk about The Promise, which is your book that's coming out and it's what you are selling as your rule. What do you think your promise is? Is your promise that, um, that you're going to do everything to satisfy the client? Is your promise that, uh, that you're going to uh, give them something they use in their life? What do you think your promise is?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there are different levels of it, of course. There's the promise to the audience or the client, which is certainly I'm going to show up, give them the best experience they can possibly receive, whether it be a keynote speech in the morning, an after-dinner show at night, but, you know, I'm mostly doing the keynotes now. Uh, what, what they don't understand So is like the
1: plumber, attention. real quickly, Jason, so what you're yeah. saying in our hypothetical example with our, our friend, the plumber, their promise is, uh, you know, it's the old thing of the, the suburban housewife uh, that stayed home today from her job, she didn't stay home because she wants her pipes fixed. She wants a hot shower. <laughs> you know, that, that's what I think the plumber needs to understand. His or her promise as the plumber is to deliver a hot shower. Uh, and I think sometimes they think it's to, uh, to to do something different than that. Am I right?
0: Right, yeah. I mean, that's perfectly said in the sense of if I show up for my event and what are what is the client expecting or at least hoping? Well, they paid a lot of money, so they're expecting that it'll be at least good enough. Uh, the bar is very low for a speaker, sadly to say, but for me that's good because they're expecting it to just be we hope he's funny because that's what it showed on his website. We hope there's some content. Now, when I, when I keep the promise to the audience and to my client, I show up. I'm there on time. I'm, I'm very easy to work with. I'm agreeable. when oh, crap, the guy speaking before me went over by 20 minutes. I need to cut mine to 40 now instead of the hour we agreed on. And then they say after the speech, they go, oh, my gosh. I was not expecting this, this, and that. And they'll Mm -hmm. say, you know, it was profound. I was laughing and I was crying because Mm -hmm. I was, you know, being touched by what you were saying and how it affects my life. So often, it's not just the promise of saying, I'm going to show up and do the work, it's the over delivery. And perhaps that is under promising before you get there, and then over delivering with that promise once you've done the work. So then they go, "Wow, I can't believe I just had that type of experience," and and that's in the personal touch, that's in the ability to do something that others can't do or won't say. It be the plumber, the dry cleaner, whomever is is your uh, you know is your performer.
1: If I gave you, because you're a family guy, if I gave you four more hours per week, would you spend it with your kids? Would you spend it developing your business? How would you apportion four more hours per week?
0: Oh man, that's a cool question. I think because I do actually, um, on a daily basis, I have a daily touch point with each child. And, uh, And so I'm not saying I wouldn't utilize some of that time with them, but I do allocate all the hours properly. The thing that's most neglected is the creative process. And so I would spend more time writing.
1: And so when you look at your business, you think, okay, the one thing that I need to do more is write more. Uh, what, when you, what have you had to manage? Like, I don't know, for me, for instance, uh, I'm hot headed and I've had to, that's been like probably my biggest challenge is managing my temper. What's the, what's the bad habit or bad tendency you've had to manage?
0: Well, I'm an artist first. I'm a creative juggernaut. I, my brain explodes at 11 PM at night when I should be asleep. Cause I have to get up at six to take the kids to school. Right. So, so I would say my biggest my biggest challenge has been the emotional creativity of an artist okay. to try to run an actual efficient business and family.
1: One piece of advice, knowledge or personal lesson anyone can apply to create a better business and life that you have learned in your years or experience of doing what you do.
0: Huh? <laughs> I would say, I would say journal. Um, the, the journaler seems to be, or the journal seems to be one of the greatest therapeutic processes, plus creation, uh, time management, uh, focus, all of these things in one that makes it so that any business can creatively create more, be more productive, as well as the person can feel more satisfied in their life.
1: That is fantastic. So you think, because you're the first time I've ever had a guest on that said journal. So whether, again, it's the plumber or the dry cleaner owner or whatever, you say, if you, if you write down, you're saying at, uh, a couple times a week, you put in what your thoughts are, what your observations are. What do you put in, in this journal?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm mapping out my life, all of my promises that I'm making to myself that day, that week, that month, that year. It's, it's stronger than a goal, it's a promise. And so if, you know, if, if I say I'm gonna set a few goals for the new year, well, that's one thing, but you know, if you miss a goal, you just set a new one. But if you make a promise and you break it, you've, you've actually done some damage to something somewhere. So in my journal, and I do this pretty religiously every day, I sit down and I write what happened yesterday, what my thoughts are and my dreams were from the night before, and then what my intentions are for that day and that week that needs to happen in order to create a more productive and wonderful existence. And the journal for me has been a game changer. And, and I speak a lot about that in my, my new book, the promise to the one
1: I, I like it. And so the piece of advice you're going to give is to journal and, uh, you know, it's interesting. What I like about the promise is that because of your showbiz background that you and I kind of have in common, you know, you, you said when you are a performer, you know, you understand that you have a promise to that audience to get up there and you just deliver, you like give it your all. And if more companies, business people, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business owners thought that way then, man, they would be so much more successful. And that's, I guess, what I always liked about your message is that, you know, it don't matter whether you got the flu, uh, whether you just uh, were in the bathroom with diarrhea, whether your plane got in late, whether you're on 4 sleep, it shows that when the lights come on, and you're introduced, it's showtime. And that's one thing that I guess uh, you and I have always thought, you know, uh, the audience don't care what happened backstage. <laughs> and that's your, your thing about the promise. Am I right? Totally well said.
0: Yeah, man. And if, if more businesses thought that way, like rather than just, oh, geez, here they come through the door, another customer we have to serve. That, that seems to be what happens at a lot of um, establishments that I've noticed or that I've called. And I think it, man. If they would take it as serious as a performer who is sweating their guts out three hours into the performance, still, whether they're the brand new trying to make it person or Bruce Springsteen, who's who's the legend of legends mm-hmm. for his live performance, you go from being a, you know you go from being like aware of a company to being a raving fan uh, when when a company puts in that kind of effort. And, and not only into their product, but into their customer service, into the engagement with the client, you become somebody who says, I, I, I can't not use that product. Yep. And that's where the showbiz you know, promise comes in.
1: His name's Jason Hewlett. He's awesome. He's, uh, he's, he's got a lot of smart stuff to share, as we, he just did. And uh, I really appreciate you being on, Mr. Hewlett.
0: Thanks so much for having me. I so admire your work, man. And I'll tell you, with our backgrounds and what you've created from it, you have done such an amazing job at uh, utilizing your talents as a a very funny person. But what most people don't realize is that the funniest among us are the smartest (laughs) and see the world in a very different way. And I include you in that place and space. So thanks for letting me be a part of this for today. What an honor.
1: Tremendously complimentary. His name is Jason Hewlett. If you want to find him and find his book that's going to be coming out in 2020 called The Promise to the One, how do they find you, Jason?
0: Well, it'll be at jasonhewlett.com. It'll also be Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all those other cool places that we're shooting for early 2020 as in the first quarter. And uh, we'll see if that happens. I hope so. I've I've never done a traditional published book, so this will be my first attempt, and I'm very excited for it. Appreciate anyone that's interested in it. And more
1: importantly, if they need somebody that does deliver on his promise to the audience, you can find him at jasonhewlett.com. It's Jason like the word Jason. It's Hewlett like the company, Hewlett Packard. So jasonhewlett.com. Thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks, brother. All right. Till next time, it's the Do Business Better podcast.